Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS on air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. Carol is a well-known national gerontologist, speaks to groups all over this country, graduate of Trinity University and uh, also University of the Incarnate Word, and serves as executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Good to see you. Nice to be here. And uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about uh, is fall, which is here. And, and, and you had a, a pretty interesting line, which was, what does fall mean to you? Well, and for most people, fall is going to mean autumn leaves, you know, pumpkins, cooler weather. But actually, if you're a caregiver, fall should mean it's flu shot season. Oh, yes. And other vaccinations. And other vaccinations. So this is the perfect time to get caught up on all of your vaccinations. But I learned something that from the National Council on the Aging um, that I did not know. Uh, I'm always wondering, why is the flu worse in the winter months than the summer? And you think, well, it's cold outside, so everybody's huddled inside. That must be the reason. Actually, scientists have proven your immune system is weaker in cooler temperatures, so I didn't know that. I didn't either. And even more interesting is cooler weather toughens the outside shell of of viruses, so it makes them easier to transmit from person to person because they got an extra coat on. Wow. See, I can tell you that you know one knows this. This is news. See, I always thought it was cold weather people huddled together and in, indoors. Inside, yeah. yeah, and that's not it. It's just nasty little viruses oh. put on a coat, too, and they're tougher and harder to squish. Well, I got my flu shot the other day. Well, and that's what you start with. You know, the, the flu season is you know upon us again. And let's just talk about last year's flu season because it was the worst um, in decades and decades. So um, if you're having any hesitation at all thinking about whether to get your flu shot and get your loved one the flu shot, um, the flu killed and hospitalized more people last year. 80,000 people died. No. 80,000 people died. Seriously. In the last year's flu in, season. In the U.S. In the United States, um, the previous high for a flu season was only 56,000. So that's a huge increase. And of those, 180 were children. Of those children that were killed, 80% did not have the flu shot. So of the people you know last year that didn't get the flu shot, Ron, what did they tell you? Uh, I I don't need it. I never had the flu. I don't have to worry about it. Either I don't need it or it doesn't work anyway, right? There was that, that... saying going around this year's flu shot isn't effective. It's only 30% effective. So why should I get it? So let's just flip that around. It was actually for one type of flu, it was 64% effective. Meaning if I lined up 100 people, 64 weren't going to get sick because they'd actually had their flu shot. So um, there are There are layers of protection a flu shot gets. A flu shot protects you from a heart attack just as well as quitting smoking um, or taking some sort of anti-cholesterol drug or hypertensive drug. Why is that? There are other things that contribute when your immune system is lowered and you get the flu. It can trigger 
other problems. Wow. So you need to think about that. I was talking about the virus as wearing a coat in the wintertime. You need to think of that flu shot um, as that protection that you put on. Uh, the worst flu season in history was the Spanish flu at the turn of the century in 18, I'm sorry, 1918. It killed 50 million people. And we always think we're at the top of the food chain when in reality, those little flu viruses, think about it, 80,000 deaths. And that's in the United States where we think about, you know, we've got pretty good health care. Well, the ones who drive me crazy are the parents who don't vaccinate their kids. Well, and that's it. And children, actually, the number of children that got vaccinated went down. So children under the age of five are much more likely to die from getting the flu than older adults. They are the most vulnerable. So a lot of caregivers, a lot of people listening out there, you've got older folks, you've got yourself, and you've got young children. Everybody over the age of six months should get a flu shot, if at all possible. You know, it's covered under Medicare. It's free. Uh, You can go, if you're in Medicare Advantage, you just go to your doctor and network. Otherwise, if you're a regular fee-for-service, you can go down to any of those, you know, corner drugstores. I got mine at uh, HEB. And I get ours every year at our Caregiver Summit. We have a team of folks who bring those flu shots out. So there's no real reason not to get it. If you're going to spend money on something, spend it on the flu shot for yourself. If you're under the age of 65 and you don't have... um, you know, access to, to Medicare, get your kids vaccinated. So, so that's number one, flu shot. Number two is if you're over the age of 60, you need to get the shingles vaccine. I got the new one. I've had the old one. There's You've a had new the, so there, there is vaccine. a new one that's supposed to be better. Well, it's supposed to be much better, but man, it hurts. Well, you know, I, you, but that's okay. I didn't say that the vaccines were painless. <laughs> no, I know. And it's when you think about shingles, a sore arm for a couple of days is no big deal. With the new one, you need two shots a couple months apart. Right. So, it, you know, it, the shingles is, is actually caused, if you've had chicken pox, I which have. a lot of us who are older, myself included, we had the chicken pox. Sure. And it's that same virus that comes back around again um, as we get older. It's been dormant all those years and it comes back. What's well, living in your body. Well, and, and, you know, the shingles are those rashes, blisters all over the place. Very, very painful. But the bad thing is, is even when the rash is gone, you can still have lingering pain for quite a long wow. time. I've known my mother had um, shingles multiple mm. times. And, you know, it's, the side effects can be pretty severe in addition to the rash and the, and the pain, fever, exhaustion, loss of appetite. And if you're somebody who's old and frail, you know, putting that on top of it is going to cause even more problems. So because the shingles vaccine only lasts five years, there's a recommendation, maybe wait to age 60, but you should talk to your doctor um, again. Uh, it is covered by Medicare Part D drug plans, and it's covered by Medicare Advantage. And Medicaid. You've got to pay for it. Uh, a portion, there's a copayment for regular fee-for-service Medicaid. But again, if you know somebody who's had shingles, you're going to know that's a good investment. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is the pneumococcal or pneumonia vaccine. Hold and that go thought ahead. for a minute. Hold that thought for a minute. I'm going to hold that thought. For those of you just joining us... We're giving you all kinds of information about vaccines and flu and what have you. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking with Danny Klein, Modisette or Modisse, we'll find out. Founder and CEO of Laughter on Call. That's coming up. You hear this show, Caregiver SOS on air, on 930 AM, The Answer. That's right. So you were talking about laughter, and we're talking about pneumococcal vaccine and flu vaccine and shingles. No laughing matter. 
Um, pneumococcal disease kills 18,000 people over age 65 every year. So it's another dangerous one. You may hear people call it the pneumonia vaccine. This is a vaccine that's actually given, it's two shots a year apart. So if your loved one hasn't had the first one, get the first one this year. And then a year from now, you're going to need another one. It's also free under Medicare Part B. So that'll cover your Medicare Advantage and your regular Medicare. Uh, And the last one I'll mention is hepatitis B vaccine which people born before 1963, a lot of them had that when they were kids, had not didn't have the disease, got the shot. Um, but hepatitis B affects your liver. And it the, uh, the chronic hepatitis B doesn't have any symptoms, and you might not know that you have it. Uh, but hepatitis B acute, it lasts several weeks, and it's kind of like the flu. So talk to your doctor about all of these types of vaccines. If you don't know if you've had them, ask um, and definitely flu shot every year you need to get it. So go out and get your flu shot. It's fall. I don't think I've had the hepatitis B. I have to check. I was thinking the same thing, yeah, and I, I know that's so. another one that's it's newly recommended, just like the shingles vaccine for folks. And I know college students uh, are required the risk to of get hepatitis. it. Right. Yes, they had and meningitis as well. Yes, that so, too. Yeah, so they have to get that. Wow. Okay. It, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, so the, the the question is, after you get them, how long do they last? We just talked about the flu shot is every year. Shingles is five years. Um, you were talking about painful shots. I had the tetanus shot, I think, two years ago. Wow. I hate to tell you, but that one was re- that one was sore for about four days. It only lasts about 11 years. But if you get a shot for measles or mumps, guess how long it's good for? Your life. 200 years. <laughs> Who needs 200-year immunity? That's <laughs> like how that. good it is. You know, into the next life you're going to be immune. What is the question no patient knows the answer to? What is that? When did you have your last tetanus shot? <laughs> yeah, see? I'm like two, three. No, you know, yeah, I don't nobody know. Nobody knows. Nobody really knows that. So you get another one. Yeah. That, well, and yeah. you can. Right. You can. Um so, you know, if you were not lucky enough, we, we're from the generation that you would, they would send us down the street to play with the kids who had Spence, moms, Spencer measles. Shirewell. Yeah, that's right. Penny's got, the, Penny's got right. measles. Go play with her. Yeah, Spencer has chicken pox. <laughs> get down the street. That's right. So that, that was our generation. Now you get shots. You don't have to have the disease. And, you know, what a lot of people forget, uh, again, I mean, we're talking about viruses can wipe out 50 million people. Um, is that these are diseases, these shots, we haven't cured these diseases, right? So these shots, if you get any of these childhood diseases, measles, mumps, chicken pox, as an adult, they are serious and life-threatening. So there's really no excuse. If you didn't catch disease, if you didn't have those vaccinations when you were small, do not wait. Um, it's not worth gambling your life or the life of the person that you're caring for. In fact, I remember when my mom said Spencer's got chicken pox. We had guests from out of town relatives. My cousin Donna, my cousin Freddie were at the house, and my brother Jim. All of us went down and played with Spencer. Uh, the good thing for Spencer is no one ever played with him <laughs> except when he was Spencer, sick. Spencer was the most popular kid. When he had and, chicken pox. And how many of you came down with chicken pox? All of us. There you go. That's All of good us. old Spencer. He inoculated <laughs> the whole family. Yeah, he did. And 
the uh, visiting relatives had to stay a few extra days. <laughs> oh, to, because they couldn't go home and right. travel. Yeah, yeah, you just hope in that generation that they had had they had all had the diseases. Right. Yeah. So um, I think they said the one you remember the cowpox we used to get for um, smallpox that yes. cowpox vaccine. Right. Um, I was looking at that one. I don't think they give it anymore. Well, they don't give it in this country anymore. Um, but it's good for twenty. Well, not twenty six years. That's a different one. Otherwise, we'd all be in right. trouble again. Yeah, two hundred. I think that's another one. That's it. They they, they do it by half life, just like radiation. Wow. How long is that? What's the half life of an antibody? It's forever. It's forever. I mean, I thought two. I feel pretty good about the two hundred years. I yeah, don't I know do about too. you. I may make it. You never know. <laughs> no. I'm looking at it. <laughs> when sweet. I see my little, you're kids. much more likely to hit two hundred <laughs> than I am. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you got longevity in your in your family genes. Well, we're gonna have to pick up this next item next show. And that is how you map caregiving. We'll talk about that. That's right. On the next show. On the next show. Mapping caregiving. See, now you're curious. And some other stuff. I am curious. And we're going to talk with uh, Danny Klein Modisset, or Modisette, founder and CEO of Laughter on Call, coming up in just a moment right here on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host is Carol Zerniel. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. WellMed isn't your ordinary medical group. In fact... Nine out of ten WellMed patients would recommend WellMed to friends and family. That's what WellMed patients in Texas and Florida said in a 2017 Press Ganey survey. Maybe we rate so highly because we have a better approach to health. WellMed doctors specialize in keeping people on Medicare healthy. We help you feel your best so you can live your best life. Maybe it's because we give you an entire medical team dedicated to looking out for you. Maybe it's the way we treat you with respect, spend extra time with you, or how we really listen. The Medicare annual enrollment period is October 15th to December 7th. Get the care you deserve. Pick a plan that opens the door to WellMed. Discover the WellMed difference at WellMedFindADoctor.com. That's WellMedFindADoctor.com. Well, as we promised, uh, we have a great guest coming on on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Danny Klein-Modisette joins us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. She's founder and CEO of Laughter On Call, and we will not say to her, Danny, be funny. She's the founder of CEO and CEO of Laughter On Call, been a writer and a comic for more than 20 years. For 10 of these, she performed and taught stand-up comedy at UCLA. And then for the next 10, she produced live comedy shows, wrote books about the importance of laughter in family life, and toured. Afterbirth stories you won't read in a parenting magazine came first, and then most recently, take my spouse, please, as Henny Youngman would have said. (laughs) So, Danny, thanks for joining us. And uh, I've got a good friend named Lee Fielding who was a stand-up comic. It was the toughest thing he ever did, and he quit after one show in Valley Forge where everyone in the audience was drunk. And he said, I'm out of here. Wow, okay. And you found a way to reprogram yourself from doing live stand-up. Yes, that's a good way to put it. I, uh, I needed to get out of the clubs. Um, I just wasn't really interested in um, talking about sex and, you know, whatever. I don't know what I can say here. But, you know, as crass as clubs get, it just wasn't my subject matter. After I had my first child, I was like, okay, i got to get out now. 
So you 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 had it. You were doing comedy. You had a child. You've written some books, and then some something else also happened. Where now you're talking about Alzheimer's and the healing power of humor um, in dealing with dementia and with old age. So tell us tell us how that came about. Oh, yes. So um, I was actually on tour with the Take My Spouse, Please book, which is actually not about breaking up your marriage, just so we're clear. It's about (laughs) how to laugh more in long-term relationships. Um, And I was on tour with that, and my mother was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's. And so I started routing my uh, tour through New York, my book tour, so that I could be with her. And we hired a bunch of people, and then she fired them. And uh, then we rehired people. And uh, I just had a bunch of circumstances there where I thought, oh, wow, humor would be really helpful because that's my lens through which I go through life is to figure out how to make, uh, as I said on my my book tour, you know, I take sad things and I make them funny, which is why I wrote a book about marriage. And uh, (laughs) anyway, I started to think, wow, it would be so cool to be able to hire a comedian to make my mother laugh as she was becoming depressed with this illness. And so I did. Um, I put an ad uh, or post up on Facebook, and I said, you know, looking for comedian, interested in gerontology, paid gig, so I'd get responses. And uh, I found someone, a friend of mine called in New York and said, oh, wait, I have a friend in L.A. who really wants to work with seniors. And so that's how that all started. And then I hired this uh, comedian, and she started working with my mother, and almost immediately it brightened her day, and she started eating again, and she joined the community, and laughter can have that kind of effect on people because it takes them out of isolation. And what's been fascinating is that the positive effects are beyond, like, the hour or two that she spends with the comedian. It has, it has opened her up. So it's been great. And then other families saw it, and they wanted, also they wanted comedians, and then I started training and healthcare facilities to bring more laughter to the whole community and to the training and to families. So it's this whole area that I'm spreading laughter. Well, I am fascinated by this, and I'm also feeling a little sad because my mother also had Alzheimer's. And for years, she went to laughter conferences. She was a nurse who believed in the healing power of laughter. And she would go to these laughter symposiums, and she traveled throughout the country attending, you know, as a participant in these conferences. And it never occurred to me to hire a comedian when she had Alzheimer's and she missed out. She missed out on that opportunity. So I'm 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 fascinated. And I'll just say thank you for even thinking about it, because a lot of us don't equate dementia, Alzheimer's and the need to laugh. And and absolutely. She would agree with you. Now, the first comedian you brought in for this gig was it just your mom and the comedian? Yes. Yes. And I still have a business now has like three or four different arms, if you will, and that's still a very prominent one, is comedians working one-on-one. That's with, pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. And there's a whole intake for the family uh, so that it's not just random, you know, you walk in with a rubber duck or something and make jokes. It's, uh, although I hope no one's even doing that anymore, but it's more <laughs> that the What's wrong with the rubber <laughs> duck? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, the rubber duck lobby is going to get <laughs> you, right. Danny. Yeah, you know, those guys are the worst. <laughs> Okay, there's a place for rubber ducks. Uh, But basically, I have a questionnaire. It's about a three-page questionnaire for the family, and it gets into real specifics about the history of the person. And 
interestingly, to make them laugh, it's not always knowing everything they loved. It's actually knowing what they hated, like the the relative who drove them crazy or the pet that they, you know, just couldn't stand or a vacation that went, you know, awry. Um, these are all great memory triggers, and it, it, the whole goal really is to bring the person alive, you know. So it's a trial and error for the comedian, but they come in armed with a lot of information about the person who they're going to be working with. And what are the expectations your comedians have? Because there are so many stereotypes about people who are struggling with Alzheimer's. Well, that's a great question. So uh, the goal is laughter, but... You you never know where someone's going to be with this disease on any given day or in any given hour, actually. So I think the expectation is to connect, is to engage, is to bring them out and to invite them to communicate. Because one of the biggest issues I found with my mother is people just don't even want to show up. Like, they don't know. They don't know how to behave. They're totally uncomfortable. And what's beautiful about a comedian coming in is we're already people who understand perseverance and that, like, the first joke might not work, even with a perfectly functioning audience. So they're kind of primed to keep going and to keep trying and to keep throwing things out there. Well, and, mm-hmm, yeah. Does this require more than one time, or does it, is it a one-time deal, or do they need to come more than once so they can find the funny bone? Well, ideally they form a relationship. So I have people that have a comedian come eight to ten hours a week, and they have a real relationship. Um, where And so it's much easier. They get to know each other. There's trust and companionship. Um, but certainly, I we do all kinds of things. I mean, I've done a one-off where I, the ex-wife of someone, hired me to come and sit with her ex-husband, and he was a mathematician, and he, she gave me a whole list of things that he loved. So I walked in with like math flashcards and music and locks and bagels, and we made a sandwich. And she basically was there and kind of observed all the different tools that I used to reach him. And then she said, I, you know, I learned so much. Thank you so much. And it's just a way also sometimes for people to figure out not, not obvious ways of reaching the person. So some people use it as just an opportunity to observe, and other people use it as an ongoing relationship. All right. Now, stay with me just a minute. And, of course, the Hollywood ending for that is she remarried the guy. If you just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we were talking on our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline with the creator of a company called Laughter on Call, Danny klein Modisette, and talking about bringing comedians in uh, to work with patients who may be struggling with Alzheimer's. Well, and, and dealing with clowns and illness, that's something that happens in the children's hospital all the time. Um, and, you know, and we think of the Robin Williams movie from Patch Adams right. uh, and, and all of, you know, it's kind of that manic humor. So it's not as far as a leap as it might sound uh, to go from Alzheimer's to laughter. So so talk a little bit about how not uh, not just the one on one, but but I believe you also work with facilities so that more people can benefit from this. Right. Exactly. Carol, um, what happened was I was out pitching to facilities, my comedians that live in Los Angeles and they're available, and this one executive director said, yeah, yeah, that's nice, but I want you to come in and teach my staff. To be funny? I want funny. you to run workshops, and I want you to give all these the tools 
that comedians use, the basic tools, to my staff so that we can have more of that in the whole culture of our community here, even when there aren't comedians here. And she requested a leadership training, staff training, and then a family workshop. And so that's what I, I do that as well, right? And the family workshop is really cool because, as I said, like a lot of family members don't come because they just they don't know what to do. They deal at a loss. And so I give real concrete tools, and it gives them a, a sense of community when all the families come together from a residence. They get to meet each other and have feel like they have a common understanding, and then they also leave with these specifics for how they can make their visits more satisfying, if you will. Now, it's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, occasionally, a woman named Peaches Hall fills in for Carol when she travels. Mm-hmm. Peaches runs a uh, WellMed Senior Center here, but before that, ran memory units in Florida and here as well in San Antonio. And she tells the story. She believes what you're saying, that the staff needs to inject humor and fun in- into the lives of their patients. She had a oh, patient... Cool. Uh, who had memory was gone, didn't recognize his wife or anybody, but she would visit him regularly. And, mm-hmm. and one day the patient said to Peaches he wanted a nurse to come visit him one night mm. with this, yes, that laugh, exactly. <laughs> and so Peaches uh, talked to the wife about it, and she bought a sexy nurse's outfit for the wife. So wow. The, so the wife right, put it on and visited the husband. He had no idea who she was. <laughs> it made his day, and it made hers too. Ron, that is that is some good storytelling. Now That's stay awesome. with us just a minute. Don't go away, and we'll come right back to you. We're talking with a young woman who does a lot of comedy, a lot of entertaining, and reaching out to Alzheimer's patients. Danny Klein Modisette is our guest. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. Did you know 9 out of 10 WellMed patients would recommend WellMed to friends and family? That's what our patients said in a 2017 Press Ganey survey. We have a better approach to health. WellMed doctors specialize in keeping people on Medicare healthy so you can live your best life. The Medicare annual enrollment period is October 15th to December 7th. You deserve the best. Pick a plan that opens the door to WellMed. Learn more at wellmedfindadoctor.com. We are so pleased you are riding along with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host Carol Zerniel, and we're having the best time talking with our very special guest, Danny Klein, Modisette founder and CEO of Laughter On Call. Danny's a graduate of Dartmouth College not long after they became co-ed, lives in Los Angeles with her husband and two sons. Well, so, so Danny, I am very curious. I'm picturing the staff of the nursing home, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do the do you ever find someone who just can't be funny? Does this work on everyone? Um, okay, so that's a great question. I believe that everyone has the capacity to be funny when you break down what the components that are necessary for laughter to exist, which is honesty and spontaneity and the element of surprise and letting go of the moment before. Like any, Even the most humorless person, if they're able to do something surprising, can elicit a laugh. So I'm definitely of the school that laughter is possible for everyone, but, but they have to be given permission. And, you know, when you're trying to be perfect, if you're trying to be the perfect employee and there's tons of pressure to do everything exactly right, you can hear that there's no way you're going to find laughter in that. So the management that has invited me in and allowed me to open it up 
to invite the people who work in these facilities to understand that it's okay to not be perfect, but the goal is to be present. It's been a really wonderful experience and bonding for the staff. And I guess my answer is yes. I think everybody can be funny if they're given permission. Well, and you said something very important there when you said let go of the last moment. Mm-hmm. So because Alzheimer's is the eternal now, mm-hmm. you know, what? That's that's a perfect way to sort of reorient staff thinking into working with people with Alzheimer's. Right, exactly. I have an acronym that I use. It's BELATES, so I call it like Pilates for seniors. And uh, let go is the L in the BELATES acronym. So so now you're going to have to tell us the rest of BELATES. So breathe. Breathe is number one. So you got to breathe because you can't laugh without breathing. You can't even live without breathing. So everybody take a deep breath, and you'd be surprised how many people just don't, they just don't breathe. They're just like, oh... Um, being honest is the age. You've got to be honest about where the person is in the disease. Uh, you have to appreciate that imperfect is okay. That's the I. Um, L is let go of the moment before. So we just talked about that, the importance of that. Uh, the A is appreciate each other. Really important for staff and for family members, for anybody who's showing up. Like, say thank you because it's a big deal. It takes courage. So appreciate T T is for timing, because timing is very important in the care of Alzheimer's patients, because throughout the day they go through cycles. Some hours are better than others. So to be conscious of timing, the why is saying yes. I'm a big believer in going with whatever the person gives you. So saying if they're in a garden in Kansas taking flowers, that sounds good. What kind of flowers? Like, just go with it. And the S is don't be afraid to be silly. So because, you know, when they don't have language, sometimes just a funny face can make people laugh. And that's my Bilates. There you go. It's out in the world. Give us the 411 on on how your company works. And are you only in the Los Angeles area if someone in San Antonio is listening to the show? Says, man, that would be so cool for my mom. Oh, yeah. So I had actually I wrote an article about this for AARP magazine. It came out this summer. So I had 150 requests from all over the country, so I'm starting to build around the country. So I'm right now we're heavily in Los Angeles. I'll be in Arizona, in Scottsdale, Arizona, on November 8th and 9th at the Silverado there. And I'm looking at going to Washington, D.C., New York, and Florida at the beginning of 2019. And then Texas, there actually is a lot of demand in Texas, so I'll be coming that way, too. If you so make right it... now, I think the best thing to do is go to the website, and I'll, it's laughteroncall.com, and I'll be updating regularly about where we are. But the goal is to be everywhere it's needed, to have comedians set up in all the major sure. areas and to train the, as well. There's a comedian here in San Antonio, Cleto Rodriguez, who does a totally clean act, number one, and is mm. very funny and... Uh, connects well with seniors. Oh, great. Uh, he'd be someone that I think you'd really want to talk to if you come to San Antonio. Okay. And that's a non-paid endorsement. There just, you go. He just happens already, to be someone I know. found the, the local comedian here. So what does like it cost? Yeah, Cleto. Cleto Rodriguez. Well, his, uh, his uh, uh, uncle was a Medal of Honor winner. Okay. And he's Sounds named good. after him. Yeah. Okay, cool. So tell me what it would cost if uh, we want to uh, you know, line up a laughter on call for someone. So... It depends on what you are looking for. So if you want someone to just come in, 
and wow, you know, give you what I did with that mathematician. It's about 125 for an hour to come in. But if you want an ongoing therapeutic relationship, obviously it scales down. Um, and that really just depends on where you are and where my comedians are. But I'd say it's like between 20 and 30 an hour. Um, wow, cheaper than a therapist. It is That's exactly what I was sure. thinking. So Ron and I have all been in therapy for years, <laughs> so we know that. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, well, but that, again, that's for like multiple, that's if you're booking someone for eight to ten hours a week. Right. That's not, you know, it's not a one-off. So right. one-offs are a little higher. And then we also do comedy shows where we come into residences and just do, we just did one in Playa del Rey on Saturday where I bring in three or four comics and we do a stand-up show and that's a, a whole other fee. And then the training is also a, a different fee depending on how many people you need trained. So well, it's all kind of different prices. So I think, you know, the important thing about what you're talking about is, you know, sometimes it's worth an investment. We often talk on the show about a geriatric care manager right. since a lot of people don't know what their options are. And it seems like a service like yours that's so different. Um, and you're coming at the Alzheimer's from a totally different place, but a place of joy right. would be a wonderful tool to kind of ch- rewire your thinking before you get too bogged down in all the loss and the behavior problems. Um, that's another tool in the toolbox that could really have some mileage because you just, you did say um, these sessions help the person longer, that, you know, their mood is going to be different, not mm-hmm. just after that one hour. It's going to be longer than that. Right, and it's also a relief for the family, frankly. It's yeah, absolutely. Like a gift that you give to yourself as a caregiver, as a daughter. You know, I, I could make my mother laugh, but not so much anymore. And, you know, I'm a professional. But there's something about the fact that I'm her daughter that I represent when she can remember, like, her past and loss. And when you bring someone in fresh who's there just dedicated to bringing joy, as you said, into the room... It, it's a whole different experience, and there's so much more possibility. Right. And it does have residual effects. So, so yes, you, you got it, exactly. So what led you into stand-up, which is like the Walendas working without a net? <laughs> um, I was uh, an actress, and um, I was in my mid-20s, and I, and I started doing television. And I don't mean this in, in, as an insult to the television business, but I was kind of bored because you're saying someone else's lines and... You know, it just wasn't, it didn't feel like a perfect fit for me. And so I took this class at UCLA in stand-up comedy uh, with Richard Pryor's ex-wife, Shelley Bonus. And I walked in and she said, and, we, you know, we started to work and she was like, well, you know, you're a comic. Like, a lot of people take this class, but you're actually a comic. Like, if you want to do this, because, like, I just, I guess I process life and through this kind of off lens. And so I started after that. And what's interesting is 10 years later I went back and started teaching that class and I knew I know exactly what she meant now. Like people come in and you just go, "Oh, you're a comic." Now you may never be a you may never do it because it's a very very hard life. But there are people who just that's how they walk through the world. Like they're just funny. They're just off. They have a different lens, and it it tickles you. And uh, so she was right. But I didn't. Um, but I find the lifestyle of being in clubs. I mean, I, a lot of my good friends are comics and. Five, five nights a week, four nights a week, which is what you really need to do to be good. It's kind of like going to the gym. Like, you've got to go and do it. And once I had a family, I, I, I wanted to put my kids to bed. I'm, I'm sorry, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're, it's nice to spend time with your children. 
Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I was one of those people. Nobody ever would have thought that I would have been that kind of mother. But oh. uh, I didn't give that away to anybody. But it, it it did turn out to be the case. So now I, that's why I started writing, doing more long-form writing and the books and still making laughter and comedy like center in my life, but just in different incarnations. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, the the other side of laughter because there's a, there's a lot of paranoia and anxiety that happens in people that have Alzheimer's. Mm. So is there any, does it ever backfire? You know, is it, can you trigger the wrong way? And, and what do you well, do when that happens? That's such a great question, Carolyn. I gave a lecture this morning to like 45 healthcare professionals in the South Bay. And I forgot to mention, you know, especially right now, like the difference between laughing with someone and laughing at someone. And that's a big part of uh, what, a vital part of what I discuss, which is you want to do something called affiliative humor, which is to engage and change perspective, lend perspective, and change the mood, but you don't ever want the person to, there's no sarcasm, which I can't bear even on a regular basis. But you certainly wouldn't want to do that with someone whose memory is impaired. Um, we're also really conscious not to ask a lot of questions because questions can remind the person of their decline. And so you just try to keep it, like, flowing and work off whatever positive is coming out of them. But, yeah, there's a, uh, I haven't experienced anything where somebody's been you know, paranoid, but I think you would have to be um, compassionate in that circumstance, and you have to pick up on it and say, hey, I feel like you think I'm some kind of threat. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to threaten you. I'm here to be your friend, you know, just um, really working. That's what's why comedians are so great at this, is because it really has to be moment to moment. And my mother can look at me one minute like she hates me. I have ruined her life. It's like seething. And literally turn her head, look back, and I'm the most beautiful person she's ever seen in the world. And it's all communicated through her face. So you, you have to be really in the moment, and that's how you avoid that. You and could... be very sensitive. And obviously I do training with people because I can't, I can't have, like, mean, sarcastic comics. That may kill in the club. That's fantastic. Right, but you wouldn't do that. Out. Yeah, with somebody who's, who's feeling down on themselves anyway. So Don Rickles wouldn't work in this context. No, Don, no Don Rickles. <laughs> I had no Don Rickles. Probably not much Seth MacFarlane. Right. Yeah, not gonna, neither. Not gonna, it, neither, neither one of those. Well, um, I think it's a wonderful service that you're providing. It's unusual, and 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 I hope that it you know it catches on. I have a vivid memory of going into my father and I just went to visit my mother, and she was living in a memory you know unit mm-hmm. by that point and mm-hmm. and as usual in the evening everyone in the unit was lined up watching mm-hmm. the tv f- mm-hmm. flat faces mm-hmm. didn't know if they knew what was going on or no not effect. but that some music came on the tv i don't remember what it was it was an old carol burnett episode mm-hmm. and my dad and i just started dancing down the hall to this mm-hmm. music because we, we could face we're facing the whole unit mm-hmm. you know they can all see us and we got to the end, and they all broke into laughter and applauded. And wow. we didn't think they were paying attention at all. I mean, you could not see that they, you know, they had even registered with them. And we just got this spontaneous applause. And my dad still talks about the time that he made all the little Alzheimer's ladies laugh and, cl- mm. and clap. So it was your Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers moment. It, it, it was. It was. And, and there were, you know, and no one saw us to give us the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's unfortunate that people don't appreciate that these people are still in the room. 
You know? Exactly. And, that, and it's so important to visit and to engage. And if it's just for that moment, that's great. That's enough. It's just for that moment. Now, we're flat out of time, and I know okay. you understand what that means. If folks yeah. want to track you down, get a hold of you, what's your website? Uh, LaughterOnCall.com. Not hard to remember. LaughterOnCall.com. And, Danny, we hope to have you on again, and I sure hope you get to San Antonio and Austin and other parts of Texas because, unfortunately, like every state in the country, there are a lot of people who could use your service. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Take care. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye. That was fun. It was fun. Well, you could do stand-up. Who doesn't need a laugh? Exactly. Guess what's up next? Take Take 10. 10. You got it. With Dr. Jamie Heisman. I'm Caregiver SOS On Air with Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. You hear us at 9.30 a.m., The Answer. WellMed isn't your ordinary medical group. In fact, 9 out of 10 WellMed patients would recommend WellMed to friends and family. That's what WellMed patients in Texas and Florida said in a 2017 Press Ganey survey. Maybe we rate so highly because we have a better approach to health. WellMed doctors specialize in keeping people on Medicare healthy. We help you feel your best so you can live your best life. Maybe it's because we give you an entire medical team dedicated to looking out for you. Maybe it's the way we treat you with respect, spend extra time with you, or how we really listen. The Medicare annual enrollment period is October 15th to December 7th. Get the care you deserve Pick a plan that opens the door to WellMed. Discover the WellMed difference at WellMedFindADoctor.com. That's WellMedFindADoctor.com. It's time for Take 10. At the end of each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, we bring you Take 10, an opportunity to talk about interesting issues as they relate to caregiving and mental health and care recipients. We're joined by Dr. Jamie Heisman on our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline. Dr. Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist, expert in caregiving as well as addictions, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host on Caregiver SOS on-air, and meet Ron Aaron. And, Carol, you've got an opportunity to share with Jamie our topic of the day. Well, I I have a question because I was reading yet another article on caregiving, and they were comparing caregiving to flying in an airplane where when the mask drops down, you take your oxygen first. And I was thinking of how many times I have read this airplane analogy and remembering that many, many, many years ago, before any of this came about, you actually said, take your oxygen first. So the question is, is this originate with you, Dr. Heisman? Because I think it did. Thank you so much. I wish it did. And I mean, how do I say that? No, it did. And I wish I had royalties for it. How's that? There you go. No, no credit. But you know, so so everybody now. And you wrote a book. And and, and you can look up "Take Your Oxygen First and under Dr. Heisman and find find that. So so, how did you come up with this analogy? What does it mean? And why is everybody stealing it from you? Well, stealing it is, is, I guess, a wonderful sign of uh, of respect. So feel free to steal away because I can't think of any quick phrase that really says it all to caregivers better than that. But you know me, Carol, pretty pretty well, and I, I will tell you that I do think visually. I think it was being ADD as a child, and as we were writing the book, take your oxygen. Uh, 
uh, Dr. Rosemary Laird, uh, myself, uh, obviously, these again, all talking about what the title should be for our, we thought then a caregiver series, but it literally came out a caregiver book. And nobody really had the best answer. And so somehow or another, I flew back from Los Angeles to, to South Florida, and sure enough, when the stewardess came out, for some reason, the visual side of me started kicking in because it's much better than, than the thought or operational side of me. And she started talking about this analogy. And I really said, aha, by George, I think we've got it. And it has stuck ever since. It has stuck ever since. Now, Literally, for, for, she sat in front of us, or I should say stood in front of us, and, and said the exact title of our book. She says, gosh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, if anything happens to this plane, you know, of course it won't. But if it does and something occurs, you make sure to take the oxygen first before you give it to your loved one. And I went off the plane and I started looking into the FDA's uh, directives around this particular um, this particular issue of take your oxygen first on the planes. And, he, and literally... Uh, it was clear. If the plane, God forbid, went down and you provided oxygen to your loved one first, chances are both of you will perish. And, and that's that because you have seven seconds. Time. You have seven seconds before you pass out when those oxygen masks drop down if, they, if the plane continues to be decompressed. Precisely. And just as it's critical for you to take the oxygen at that time, it's critical for caregivers, obviously, to set aside the time uh, to take care of their own medical, spiritual, and social needs. This is what take your oxygen first really means. So it means that you you cannot, I mean, you're going to miss your opportunity. If you, in an airplane, if you put the oxygen on your loved one, you'll pass out. And if, they're in, they, if they don't know to give you oxygen to, then you're hosed. So take your oxygen first really is you have to take care of yourself first. Same if you have children with you. Same thing. You do. You do. And, and, Ron, to that point, whether it's children or whether it's adults, not only was Take Your Oxygen First something that came to my mind as a title of a book, but it really pointed out to me the essence of what codependency is, which we call also a co-addiction. And, and that is when people, places, and things drive us, when we want everybody to like us, when we want to take care of everybody else first in life, we always give the person next to us the oxygen before we take it. And literally, that is also the analogy for, you know, basically our country's codependency issues, which is really mirrored and, and really pronounced in the caregiver population. So taking care of ourselves is the first rule of caregiving. What if I say, well, that sounds awfully selfish? Well, it will, and certainly, certainly, if you're a codependent person, when you always put someone else's needs ahead of your own, it will feel that way. It will feel selfish from the start. But literally, just think of your loved one who has a chronic illness or a terminal illness or even just an acute illness. Literally, do they really want to be with somebody who doesn't have both feet on the ground, that's not taking care of their mind, their body, you know, their soul? Uh, do they really want to go through this kind of journey into this chronic world of the, of the unknown with somebody who's unstable? So literally, I, as people say that to me, uh, Carol, that this is a selfish gesture, I say, no, this is just part of the treatment plan. This is the best medical care you could provide your loved one. Now, as we're taking our oxygen first, let me remind folks who just joined us, you're listening to Take 10, part of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. He's Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel, our co-host, 
here as well. We're talking about caregivers caring for themselves before the care recipient. It, it seems a tough lesson to drive home uh, to every new caregiver. How, how do you manage that, Dr. Jamie? Well, it really is the first place I start is the therapy. I mean, really, you don't know much about yourself until you develop a therapeutic bond with somebody you trust and somebody who's professional and then somebody who's across from you, literally. I mean, of course, there's telehealth and telebehavioral health, which is, you know, okay for sure, but there's nothing like being present with somebody who can reflect back to you sort of what you're feeling or what you're not knowing at that point and peel the onion a later time. So. Getting a therapist would be the first place, Ron, I'd go. But if that sounds scary to to somebody in our audience, uh, there are support groups everywhere that will literally drive this message home first and foremost. And if they don't drive it home to you, uh, the caregiver, you'll hear stories of how they finally put in themselves first and took the oxygen and how their lives started getting in order as caregivers. And, Carol, you could start with Caregiver SOS on air and Caregiver SOS. Well, and and caregiver, all things caregiver, caregiver teleconnection. So for caregivers who, who really don't know where to start, you know, I think I'd recommend, because anybody in the country, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can go to caregiversos.org, look up our teleconnection, and find these teleconferences, just phone calls. You know, you don't even have to leave the house. You can your pajamas with the hair sticking straight up and maybe a smear of jelly on your face. No one cares. It's on the you're on the phone. Nobody's FaceTiming. Pe- people like Dr. Jamie might be a speaker. We have him talk uh, regularly. We have you know caregiving experts, and that's a great way to get good information. Take care of yourself and actually connect with other caregivers. So Caregiver Teleconnection, you can find it at caregiversos.org. So now we've turned Take 10 into a shameless plug for free services that are very helpful. That's a good yeah, plug. That's but, okay. I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's a good plug. It's not shameless. It's good. It is not a good plug, Carol, but it really is like the bridge to this world of isolation we see with seniors today. And the beauty of the caregiver teleconnection, it's that first step. It's that educational step where education seems to be a a lot easier to to take in, if you will, than the clinical sort of process I was describing. So it is the first step. It's a bridge out of the living room, hopefully, to a journey where you take care of your mind, your body, and yourself. So what happens to caregivers who never think of themselves, never take care of themselves, don't take that oxygen? Well, that's burnout, Carol. That's compassion fatigue. Burnout, of course, is the predecessor, if you will, of the foundation of of, uh, compassion fatigue. But those who don't take care of themselves and don't take the oxygen first literally are dealing with issues around depression, uh, sleepless nights, uh, you know, poor diet, tears, anxiety, fear. All these issues which pop out in them, and as you know, Carol, better than anybody as a gerontologist, we're seeing in the caregiver population caregivers literally passing away before their loved ones. So that is also a consequence of not taking care of yourself first. Carol, you get the last word. I think, you know, Jamie has said it all. Take your oxygen first. Don't care for your loved one first. Start with yourself, and you're going to find you breathe a lot easier. And if one wanted to read, take your oxygen first, Jamie, where do they find it? They can actually still go to Amazon and get it. And whether they get it new or for somebody else, it's, it's there. Thank you so much. And all the dollars go to a foundation, not to myself. Well, that's cool. And no operator will call yeah. after you buy that book, right? That's right. And take all the upsells, too. They can only help you, I'm sure. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. 
Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. If you want to hear this show again, it's easy. All of our programs are on podcast. Just Google Caregiver SOS on air. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Have a great day, everybody. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer.